GM everyone, uh, welcome to our first community call. Uh, we will uh, be going through some uh, relevant points here, namely like our developer updates, uh, going like just as a quick sneak peek to our roadmap and what we plan to do on a more long-term basis. Uh, we'll also like get the general feel for like what our uh, tokenomics draft will be for our uh, incent token incentives program. And finally, we'll have like a short Q&A session where everyone can ask like relevant questions on whatever information we conveyed at the session. So I'll pass it on to Alpha. <clears throat> she, she can introduce the session. Yeah, so I think the first natural question is like, what is Pool Shark? Uh, what are we ultimately trying to do here? My initiative with this project has always been to offer better outcomes for liquidity providers because like, yeah, the current liquidity provider landscape on Uniswap, on Curve, um, users experience a lot of impermanent loss. The fees do not account for the losses that they experience. Uh, Uniswap V3 has a lot of issues with liquidity mining for low cap coins. And so we are looking to solve those problems with this protocol. And so we have uh, directional liquidity to kind of help us with the impermanent loss side of things. We have hedge pools. So the hedge pools will allow you to uh, average into, let's say you want to buy ETH when ETH hits a price of 2000. You can say, okay, I want to buy ETH from 2000 to 2100. And then once the price goes past that, you have your ETH position. And so the idea is like, hey, even if you're on an island somewhere, uh, you know, you can still get your position filled. You don't need some off-chain bot to go and do something for you. Your position just sits on chain and uh, yeah, will trade for you. So the other uh, innovation that we're bringing is price pools. Price pools will allow you to offer the best price in the market. So if the current market price of ETH is $1,200, uh, then you can offer a slightly lower price and one inch and other aggregators will uh, fill your position first. So this is a good way to enter or exit the market quickly. And um, this will be good for people that are actively trading. So they don't need to uh, worry about slippage so much. The liquidity position will handle uh, the slippage and all those things for them, which is quite nice. So that's a quick summary on Pool Shark. And uh, currently we are almost finished with the smart contracts. I would say a couple of weeks from now we will be audit ready. So um, we are exploring uh, who to partner with on the audit side. We're also hooking up the front end. So if anybody saw the Twitter thread that we posted yesterday, the picture of the UI 
which is also in our general channel, that uh, that UI will be used for Uniswap V3 liquidity providers, as well as people that just want to use PoolShark. Uh, you guys will be able to deposit your uh, positions. You'll be able to cover your impermanent loss on other exchanges. So even if you're using Uniswap or Curve or SushiSwap, you can still use our hedge uh, pool or cover UI to be able to uh, buy ETH as the price goes up. So that will cover your impermanent loss. Impermanent loss comes from you selling uh, an asset, like let's say the price of ETH goes up and the price of ETH is $5,000. Your LP position is going to sell on average at lower than the current market price. So this problem can be solved by buying ETH and holding it, which is ultimately what these pools will allow. So the current AMM landscape is that they're always willing to uh, exchange ETH for DAI or DAI for ETH. But what our pools will allow is for you to simply buy ETH and hold it. And uh, that means that if the price of ETH goes up, you will get that profit. And that profit will cover your LP position. That's the idea here. So next, we can have Nexus uh, detail some of the uh, tokenomics uh, draft that we've put together and show how this will be superior to a Uniswap uh, in terms of actually giving incentives for smaller projects to deposit liquidity in our pools uh, versus using uh, a Uniswap. Yes, so um, we uh, just like as an initial point on that, like we will have um, we will have like a specific mechanism that we uh, drafted for the tokenomics, which is based on liquidity mining, but with some uh, added differences, so that like everyone can benefit the most out of it. Be it like uh, people that participate in governance, people that will lock our tokens into VE mechanic. Uh, liquidity providers and also like both our treasury and like the fee allocation for our team specifically. So um, in this model, uh, the main idea is that for a given pool, we will have like a threshold of uh, daily volume uh, for said pool, where if if that threshold is not achieved, uh, liquidity providers will accrue like the entirety of the fees in the given token they're depositing being that it is directional like uh either from ETH let's imagine either from ETH to DAI or from DAI to ETH you'll get the corresponding token on the direction you're going to when providing uh liquidity for a given range um and that is like if you are under said threshold you'll get the complete fee accrual uh, based on whatever liquidity you are providing for a given pool. 
if that threshold is increased, uh, you will have a model that will uh, act in this way. Uh, after a given swap, 25% of the of our own token uh, of our own token in the total fee pool will be reallocated to liquidity providers for that pool. Um, so it's 25% on that directly. Um, then we'll have like a 10% allocation for, uh, no, actually, if, sorry, a 15% allocation for governance. So by you uh, holding our token and participating in governance rounds and governance voting, uh, when said governance voting happens, you'll be incentivized to do so through the rewards in our own token. Also, um, if you are locking, if you are locking in a, in a VE mechanic, which we will go into detail further down the line, because like we still need to like further draft that appropriately, we will get like 30% of that total fee revenue towards lockers. And some of that will eventually uh, trickle down into governance because like you will have access to governance through set tokens. So, uh, given this being the said, we're looking at approximately, uh, 40% revenue for LPs for our, uh, mining program, uh, about, uh, 10% for the treasury, 10% for the team allocation, and, uh, the remainder will be left for VE lockers. Um, we, we decided to go with this model because, um, and and like in retrospective and like comparing to other uh fee accrual models in uh dexes and aggregators even though like they get the overwhelming majority of fees no matter uh how uh, how much like the daily volume is uh you are kind of subject to impermanent loss so like no matter how much fees you can accrue in most situations if you don't take active maintenance into account if you don't take active maintenance into account pretty much what uh, ends up happening is your fee accrual ends up getting negated by whatever impermanent loss you're going to get from said from said trade um uh, from the set from said liquidity provisioning um the the advantage here is that like even though like uh, LPs that uh, are over that certain liquidity threshold are accruing less fees percentually, since the impermanent loss is mitigated and other mechanisms that like are favorable for price manipulation are also mitigated, uh, mitigated here, that even if in percentual terms that is smaller, we will guarantee that uh, liquidity providers will always be profitable from uh, using this uh, mining program. Also, we, by uh, distributing it in a more equal way, we're also able to guarantee that active governance will happen and that we can keep the protocol's health by building up a treasury for uh, operations and also uh, giving a, a fair share of the pie to the team allocation so that like any like inner um any inner uh, payroll situations are also guaranteed so like in general like the main conclusion with this is we want to make this tokenomics model rotate more towards like a healthy ecosystem in general rather than benefiting 
one particular party or entity and then making the other entities getting the bad end of the stick, so to say. Yeah, I think um, I also see Lucas and Carnation just join. Like, feel free to join the stage if you please. But um, I think a really interesting part of this model is that we're actually allocating some of the rewards. So it's like 10% of all fees go to governance. So people are actively incentivized to participate in governance. And we weight more rewards towards people that uh, are actively uh, participating. So I think that's a really good part of this system. Um, essentially, this is taking the curve model of having gauges where some of the token incentives are going to the liquidity pools. The difference here being that this is permissionless uh, in the sense that anybody that uh, achieves the certain targets, which would be volume, we will give token incentives towards. So anybody that is uh, providing revenue to the protocol they will be getting incentives and will only be taking fees from pools that have over a certain threshold. So smaller tokens like, you know, if you launch, um, uh, you know, Nexus token and you don't hit our, the volume target, uh, we won't take any uh, fee percentage of that because we want in every scenario for uh, things to be just as good as if you were on the other platform, like let's say Uniswap or SushiSwap or what have you. Um, and scenarios where you are providing a lot of value in the form of revenue to the protocol, then we will re uh, reward you with token incentives. And uh, the governance uh, incentives mean that we have a way to receive proper feedback from the community so that revenue is continually increased and uh, we reward people that are active participants in the protocol, uh, not just people that are locking and staking. Though we do want people to be long-term aligned with our exchange because it means that they will drive uh, users to uh, our protocol uh, over others. So just to put uh, what we are proposing in comparison with other token popular token models that are out there. So Curve, uh, you lock your tokens over there. The yearly inflation is about 18% for Curve currently, and 50% of the revenue from Curve goes to uh, VE uh, vested stakers. For Balancer, they they also have uh, a VE BAL. And 75% of the protocol revenue goes to the stakers. Um, what we have is we are actively distributing that so that there is not just mercenary stakers that are staking, pulling out the rewards and dumping them. 
those get actively reinvested into the ecosystem in a way that the entire community agrees with. And so there's a more comprehensive plan in place to reinvest that revenue and direct that revenue into places that promote growth. Whereas we believe if you look at something like Curve, there's definitely an ecosystem being built around that. You can see Convex and of course, Frax has most of their liquidity on Curve. Uh, but overall, it's a little mercenary in the sense of it's not very clear and transparent where that revenue is going to be directed. And we think this is something that we can improve and perhaps capture protocols that are very, very early in their growth stage uh, that are looking to grow alongside another uh, ecosystem such as ours and see that, hey, you know, we have a unique AMM design. Uh, we have unique mechanisms that can help them better manage their liquidity. So, you know, the great thing is users don't even have to actually switch over to us to try us. They can try our hedge pool mechanic uh, before they fully commit to receiving investor rewards and completely migrating their liquidity onto our platform. So this kind of gives an overview of our entire strategy for acquiring protocols. Um, users often go where there are the best prices and our price pools which allow people to enter and exit the market quickly and offer slightly better prices will mean that if one inch is aggregating trades to us, that we will pick up some of that volume. And that helps our users and our token holders as well. I would also like to add a point, just bridging into like uh, the active governance incentives that even uh, we will allow in, in the in the future we will allow for a lot of like parameters for the incentives program itself to be changed according to governance so for example if given the fact that like uh like accounting for the current market conditions and that like given the volatility and the huge like deltas in daily volume so to say if like there is something that will not be balanced for the set pool thresholds to be able to apply for the program we will also allow certain governance proposals to be passed that can uh increase or decrease set value according to community feedback so here we're trying to like create a positive feedback loop where not only are we incentivizing governance uh, through incentives, we are also incentivizing people that want to actively participate in governance to be like, to be, to be contributing towards those changes and trying to balance the model. So like, let's look at a situation, for example, if uh, most, most of the pools but due to market conditions could be like underperforming and most of the, let's say, top five pools that we would offer would not be able to apply for the program by being under the threshold. We would allow in the near future for someone to create a governance proposal to readjust that threshold so that it could be more in line with whatever daily volume the top pools are getting. So like, uh, just think like it's, it can, create a lot of positive feedback and a lot of like active engagement in the protocols, uh, design and development by also allowing people to like 
state their concerns and recommendations through governance while being incentivized to do so. Yeah, so ultimately, as I said, I believe this leads to a very positive feedback loop where we're actively taking that revenue from the protocol, reinvesting it back into incentivization, and it will be real yield. So it will be ETH or stablecoin, uh, whichever is better for the current market conditions. Initially, we expect that to be stablecoin. So uh, pools will be receiving stablecoin for that. We can definitely put up to a community vote what the yield will be converted into that is sent to the pools, to governance, uh, and other uh, places. Um, we believe this is a very strong method for uh, protocol acquisition to also drive and accrue value for the token and uh, have continual growth for the protocol. I see somebody did ask one question. So uh, first thing Bagel asked, what is the fee structure like for pools? So anybody that is under the daily volume requirements for that that epoch will we will not be taking any any of those fees in the case that they are over the volume threshold the pool will keep 25% we will give them rewards in our token and the other 75% will be redistributed 10% to the treasury 10% to the team uh 30% to vested uh, holders and 10% to governance so that we can continually incentivize people to actively participate in the governance. Oh, the fees on trades. Okay. Yes, that will be tiered, right? So we'll have, uh, initially our hedge pools will be coupled with, uh, the Uniswap TWAP on V3. So, the fee tiers will match there. You'll have 0 0.05%, 0.1%, 0.3%, um, and 1%, I believe, are the fee tiers for UDB3. We'll initially be going live on Arbitrum. That's where our focus is going to be, primarily for the reason that there are options protocols there that can benefit from directional trading slash liquidity providing. There's a big problem right now for... Uh, options token trading. So like average people have no way to participate in trading options tokens because as a liquidity provider, that option token will go to zero. So option is the option to buy or sell, uh, buy some certain date. If the price at which you, you will buy the asset, let's say ETH, you're going to, okay, buy the, the ETH at $1,200 uh, after some date, currently the price of Ethereum is $1,190. So you having the option to buy ETH at $1,200 is not very attractive because the market price is better. So in those cases, the option token will actually go to zero. We would call that uh, out of the money. So the option is out of the money. It's uh, You're buying it at a higher price than the current market price. In these cases, the option token goes to zero 
and the liquidity providers uh, will get wrecked. So uh, to prevent this, our one-way trades mean that, hey, if you sell the option token and you get 10% filled, you keep that 10%, even if the price of the option token goes to zero. So initially, we will definitely uh, target options and derivatives protocols uh, to get them on board. And uh, we think this will be a successful strategy to differentiate ourselves. Mainnet, uh, I think we're targeting either February or March for mainnet. Does that seem pretty accurate, Nexus? Yeah, I would I would say so. Um, just giving some like technical updates just to bridge into that. Um, <clears throat> uh, as of now, we're currently in the final stages of our EVM MVP implementation. So like the base functionality is present there as of now. We just need to iron out some UI and UX potential issues and just making the experience more pleasant in general. Um, this will lead up to our seed round, which will commence in January and will go up until the end of February. So our initial goal is to have, um, is to have like a fully deployed, uh, view one protocol, uh, on, uh, EVM chains, uh, on both, uh, mainnet and L2s by, uh, end of between the end of February and the first half of March. That's like our initial alignment. Um, we do have, uh, other, uh, other improvements and products lined up in our roadmap, uh, namely our, uh, pre uh, namely our launch on fuel network. And, uh, consequently after said launch, the beginning of building out the predicate order book, which will act as, uh, additional liquidity layer, uh, below what our current MM offerings have. So, um, just in summary, like we predict uh, our mainnet launch, the mainnet and like actual like production launch to be between the end of February and the beginning of March. Uh, and uh, the fuel launch will come soon after. Um, I'm not including like uh, the fuel launch in the same bracket because like fuel has a separate VM, has a separate language and a separate uh, working environment. And since that is also work in progress on the fuel team side, we have been uh, sort of like going back and forth with what we can implement given the current constraints. We do strongly believe that by the time we have our uh, EVM chains launch, that um, these constraints will no longer be an issue on the fuel side of things. So it's predicted that the uh, fuel uh, full fuel launch will happen shortly after, like at most uh, in beginning of April. Um, also, like by the time we do uh, we do launch it, we'll be very well positioned for like the our future product offerings. Uh, I want to bridge, br do a quick bridging now into our uh, predicate order book, just to give you guys like some prior context on what predicates are. <clears throat> predicates are a mechanism in Sway, which is the language that the Fuel VM uses, that are able to assess for preconditions for on-chain preconditions without actually having to access to storage. So uh, this is possible due to the fact that Fuel is built on a UTXO-based model, 
So not only do you have like multi-threaded execution, you can also like abstract yourself uh, from the account model. So like usually in an account model uh, for a lot of different given transactions, you need to have approvals, but you can abstract yourself past that with the fuel model due to all the inherent mechanisms they have. And what that UTXO model I was mentioning brings for predicates is that you're able to have something called an unspent transaction for which you can assess a bundle of preconditions that will be fed back to set predicates. And then after the preconditions are assessed, if every precondition uh, is up to whatever standards we define in the predicate, then you can actually execute an on-chain call. Uh, I'm just going to give a practical example. For example, for a limit order, if you wanted to place a given limit order on a certain pair of assets, it would be way more efficient to do so using a predicate model because then you would not have to like depend on uh, execution speed constraints. You would not have to depend on increasing gas costs due to increasing gas costs and execution time as well due to access to storage. And due to the fact that you would be forced to do uh, a bunch of on-chain calls when actually using an account model. So like the the whole set of like having a UTXO model and like access to the predicates mechanism will allow us to have like a much more consistent execution when it comes to orders of this nature due to like how the order book will be structured with this. Also, the fact that like, uh, fuel will build up on top of uh, like one of uh, one of their main uh, concerns with like um, releasing uh, the their new like v2 version of of the chain onto like um, onto mainnet is like how can we increase scalability so like they're they're currently working on this like the multi-threaded execution will definitely help greatly and their end goal is to have like over 1000 TPS which kind of like reduces greatly like the constraints we currently have with uh, DEXs uh, on uh, on a chain model, like DEXs on an AMM model. Because as I was saying, like if you have a greater execution speed and greater scalability, you're, ha- you're able to have way faster execution speed and way more consistency when executing a given strategy or order. So this at its end game state will kind of put us in a position where we can finally start to trade blows with TradeFi. Because as I was saying, due to the current uh, execution constraints on chain, like it's very hard to compete with a TradeFi traditional model because a TradeFi model will be based on like a centralized infrastructure. And as such, the scalability for that will be way more in line with what's needed when it comes to like trading delays uh, and execution speeds. So like coupling together the UTXO model and unspent transactions with the predicate mechanism and the eventual scalability that Fuel will have will finally be at a state where we can deliver a very similar user experience to what a trader would have on a TradeFi model uh, using a centralized exchange, for example. And I think, in my opinion, that this will be like quite revolutionary for DeFi indexes in general, because like one of the main reasons why a lot of uh, TradeFi people will not flock into DeFi are these exact same constraints. No one likes to have like a particular strategy set up for a given trade or a given bundle of trades and it not falling through the way we want to 
due to given constraints. So if we take that out of the picture, we'll be at a much better outlook to like compete with TradeFi and getting like uh, adoption from TradeFi users back into DeFi. Yeah, so uh, Fuel is essentially an optimistic rollup on top of Ethereum. So we've kind of already committed to minting our token on Ethereum because that gives us sort of the, the greatest level of, of security. And uh, then we're able to, um, you know, send the token to rollups to distribute rewards. And uh, we can sort of have the, the most uh, secure offering in that regard. Uh, so, yeah, ultimately, the, the fuel part of our strategy is to uh, expand and really scale out so that we're not limited by the high gas fees on Ethereum, assuming like those become a problem again, let's say in the next bull market, we will um, we will have the capability for users to migrate their liquidity to fuel and uh, use that chain. Um, I do believe that given that uh, their system allows for more optimizations, that there will there will be the most scalable solution over on fuel versus Arbitrum or any other L2 solution that exists currently. And a really nice thing over there is that you don't ever have to do any token approves because you just send your tokens directly to the contract. Uh, it's not the account-based model, which we have on Ethereum. So like you'll actually be able to, and I can show this uh, really quickly. I want to, I guess you can't share your screen in, in these calls. Yeah, you cannot. I was oh. also planning to, <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. I was also planning to share my screen, like for like giving like a quick look up at the roadmap. So that's why I just express it through voice. It's kind of something we have to be attentive of uh, in the next call, so to say. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's definitely a constraint for pre presenting to multiple people at once. We can we can um, always we can always switch over to a Zoom call. Like I, whatever whatever people feel is like the most professional, like that's what we're gonna go with. Um, we definitely want this whole journey to be something where like everybody is is learning. So if if the the community is better served by us uh, doing Zoom calls or something else, like more than happy to do that. Uh, just to recap what we discussed, we went over a quick summary on PoolShark, the state of development, and which we're planning to uh, move to mainnet in February or March and schedule an audit slightly before that. Um, we also presented our tokenomics uh, draft, which we are taking input on actively. And uh, we also discussed what we're going to be building out on Fuel, which is uh, hopefully a more scalable AMM slash order book system where uh, users can define the conditions for their order. And it's a meta transaction in the same way that uh, one inch limit order book, as well as cow swap, use 
meta transaction. So it's really cheap to create those orders and uh, much better than anything that we can do on Ethereum, in my opinion. So now we'll open it up to community questions. If you guys want to post any questions in the stage chat, uh, we'll be happy to answer them and then we'll wrap it up. All right, so I guess if there's no questions, then we will wrap it up. Uh, Nexus, do you have anything you want to close with? Yeah, I just wanted to add, like, uh, we are planning to have uh, these community calls, like, uh, approximately on a monthly basis, so we can be more, like, in touch with, like, the community and talk about, like, further progress updates we have, like, looking for further suggestions uh improvements any of you guys might see optimizations any of that because like uh the community feedback is of the utmost importance in my opinion because like you you guys are going to eventually be part of our user base uh hopefully so being that said like uh, all that feedback that will come from potential users will really help us like building as solid of a product as we can so we will uh, start doing this on an approximately monthly basis. And the uh, main point of it will be gathering feedback from the community and also share general progress updates on the state of development and of the product in general. And yeah, I think that's the concluding point. Thank you everyone for coming. I really appreciate the fact that there are people like willing to uh, come here and take a bit of their time to just listen to whatever uh, new stuff we have to show to you and yeah i hope to see all of you in the next call next month so yeah cheers up peace out